everybody. Uh, welcome to the World of CONCACAF News Desk. I am Eric Schmitz. I'm Jonathan Sleep. And I'm Donald Wine. And we are here because after 118 matches, 34 teams are now down to three and a half. Uh, it took 345 goals in front of almost a million fans, but CONCACAF World Cup qualifying is complete. And we are ready for the World Cup. Congratulations to the nations of Canada, Mexico, and the United States of America for securing automatic bids to the 2022 World Cup. And uh, Costa Rica looks like they've got a big game in June. So, so wait, Eric, I mean, because CONCACAF only has three and a half teams, I don't think Costa Rica is actually going. It's either Costa or Rica because only half <laughs> half the team can go apparently. Well, I was just I was also going to say I wanted to um while this is a celebration, did want to pour a little out for the Ocho or at least the Ocho as we know it. Um as and the Hex and, like, and the all hex. of it's gone. Yeah, we just want to pour a little bit out um especially as um we get ready for a World Cup in 2026 that is going to be in CONCACAF. Um, and then after that expanded world cup, um, the ride was, the ride was incredible. Um, and it will so desperately, so sorely be missed. Yeah. I mean, for most importantly for CONCACAF, it was the first qualifying cycle that had full coverage from the world of CONCACAF podcast. Um, so really a momentous occasion for them, but, uh, I do want to toast to never having three game windows again. Yeah, here, um, <laughs> here, I'll toast with my uh, my seltzer. I am, I'm definitely too old for this shit. Um, this last window, just I, I'm still recovering. I, a lot of us are worse for wear after all this, but um, it's uh, we're in a good spot. It's over. It was definitely fun. I mean. If CONCACAF does anything well, it's coming up with new bullshit. So I'm excited to see whatever qualifying nonsense gets created in the future. Um, And we'll get to 2026 when the time comes. But I think we need to talk about how this all ended, how this all shook down. Uh, The March qualifying window, the final international window of World Cup qualifying for CONCACAF, uh, we had three big match days uh, heading into it. We had five teams that were technically still alive uh, for bids. And by the end of it, it was all pretty much a formality. So let's go through the match days and talk about everything that happened. Uh, Jonathan, let's start with March 24th. Uh, what happened on the first match day of the window? So March 24th, we started off with uh, Jamaica getting a 1-1 draw uh, against El Salvador. Uh, Panama with a 1-1 draw against Honduras. Um, Mexico with a 0-0 draw against the United States. Um, And then Costa Rica, um, the lone team to get three points out of this, but uh, a 1-0 win over uh, Canada at at the Estadio Nacional. Now... Donald and I were in Mexico City. We were at the Azteca for the Mexico-U.S. game. Uh, Donald, what were your thoughts on that match? I mean, it was it was interesting because that was the third time I had been to the Azteca for USA-Mexico. It was obviously reduced capacity. 
uh, for the game. They were it said forty thousand. They eventually upped it to fifty thousand, and it was a very late arriving crowd. Eric, as you know, we were in there a couple hours before the game, but most of the Mexican fans did not arrive until maybe the tenth or fifteenth minute after kickoff, uh, due to the fan ID situation and everything with with that. Yeah, no, I mean there were even U.S. fans coming into the section at halftime saying they just got in. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you did, if you did not plan properly, uh, you were you were in for a wait. Yeah, it, I mean it was a long wait, even for us. I mean, I thought our entry was very smooth. We ha- obviously had uh, security around us the entire time. We didn't have any issues because, uh, except for the American fans, there was really nobody on the upper deck that we were sitting in anywhere near us. The closest people were two decks below us, so uh, we didn't have any issues with in with regards to like people throwing stuff or just banter or anything like that but everyone there was you know really fun i mean everyone we talked to as we were walking in they were clapping they were saying welcome good luck you know shaking hands high fives pictures everything it was it was a very festive atmosphere it is obviously in my mind arguably you know one of the top 10 rivalries on the planet but it was not a fierce rivalry in the sense that uh people were angry with each other for being there. It was, it was, there's a lot of love and, res- and mutual respect before the game and after the game. Yeah. And I mean, that was my first trip to the Azteca. Um, I do feel like I didn't necessarily get the full experience because there's re- reduced capacity. Um, because I mean, we didn't really have fans around us. I mean, we were in the cage up in the upper level and we were surrounded by enough police to make sure we all behaved you know, and we didn't really have any hostility towards us, um, save for a few people who were giving us the finger after the game. But it was a zero-zero draw. Like there wasn't really a lot of reason for anyone to be super upset. Um, I mean, that was my first time there. It was just being in the Azteca. Like it is breathtaking in multiple ways. Yeah. You know, like. Yeah, you're so far above sea level like this place is so damn steep like it's yeah absurd. it's 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 amazing like just how steep the incline is that stadium is like i mean you know being in in those upper levels i wasn't there this time but um you know just being in those upper levels even as high up as you are you are still like on top of the action i know for a lot of people that maybe have only um you know from a big stadium perspective have been in nfl stadiums where you know the the further you go back or the higher you go back the further away from the field you are but i mean you are uh on top of the action uh at the azteca yeah a quick funny story so we get in there and i mean the u.s section is all u.s fans like we're all there together no one was really like sitting in their actual seat uh, but they did have ushers there and we were in there early enough that, I mean, there, it wasn't overflowing or anything like that. So the usher came up to us sitting in our seats and asked to see our ticket. And it's like, here, I'll show you to your seat. I'm like, okay. So we hand him the ticket and like, we hadn't looked to see where our seats are. She's like, okay, up this way. And like, we start walking up the stairs we keep walking up the stairs and she takes up takes us up to the very last row of the, the building like we are all the way up wipes down our seat it's like here you go and like we're 25 rows from the next live soul and it's like yeah what would you why'd you take me up here and of course to, to be fair the, yeah that's where all our tickets were supposed to be 
Yeah. Um, we got in and we we basically made an exact decision that if you're just going to give us the entire cage, we're going to sit wherever we want in this cage. So yeah. most people just kind of abandoned that uh, sit in the very, very, I mean, every seat that we had was in that top section, the last like four rows. I've never set up that high. I've always sat down closer to the edge, like to the fence. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think I, I ended up finding you, you're, I think we, you post up a little bit further down from me, yeah. but, uh, we, we basically just found seats and just kind of made do what we did. Yeah. She walked us up there, asked for propina, you know, you know, for the effort. And, uh, we sat there for about 10 <laughs> seconds, like, this is fucking stupid. We're going to go back down. There. So we went back down there and found, found what fair. I just like to think that she was just, she was just trolling with you. She was like, no, 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 you're going to have to go all the way up here. I mean, I respect yeah. the I respect the effort. She was just fucking with us. She was so. trying to tire you out, send them all all the way up them steps. Yeah. Um. So, not to talk too much about like being Mexico City, which my first time in Mexico City, absolutely wonderful city. Like, I want to go back and explore more. I definitely did not get enough time to go around. Um. But the game itself, what did you guys take from the game? Because for me, I think the moral of the story is the u.s probably should have won this game oh yeah i mean i mean that's that, I mean, that yeah that's that's the huge takeaway i mean i think the other thing too is if Gio reno would have scored on that run um, oh my god yeah just um i know a lot of times people make it will make a reference to maradona in a way that um isn't deserved but um, that Maisie of a run in the exact stadium that Maradona did that in, in 1986 yeah. is uh, would have been incredible, but even just the run itself. Uh, but yeah, I think the, the takeaway is that the opportunity for the U S to get their first ever uh, road win at the Azteca was there. And uh, just unfortunately we're not able to execute it and secure that. I wasn't uh, should we have won? Yes. I think we should have won. I think we had, more chances. We were the better team on the night. We controlled uh, the majority of the match. And, and like Jonathan said, we had more of the moments that make a winner. Right. But I'm very, very happy with that draw because oh, for sure. to go on the road in Azteca, again, we've never won there before, but the last three times we've been there, we've escaped with draws. It is incredible to say I'm happy with a draw, but that team, yeah, they could have stolen a win, but We've scored six times in the history of that stadium, like six goals in the history of that stadium. The stadium did not open last week. It did not open in 2010. That stadium has been open for decades. And since uh, the 1920s, almost a hundred years, almost a hundred years, six goals. That is a lot. And if you think about it, you know, two of those goals have come in the last decade. It's, it's hard to imagine people. I know people were really upset at Jordan Peefock and Christian Pulisic more so Pfock because of the miss that he had, but that's what that's the allure of the of the Azteca. Goals go awry, you hit post, you go wide. You know it is, it's it, it's incredible, incredibly difficult to play there. It's incredibly difficult to face that pressure, even when there's only fifty thousand in the stands. So uh, I, I think the guys had a great effort, and while they should have won, a draw is a win in my opinion. Yeah, and I mean everyone's going to point to the Pfock miss where he flubbed the shot i honestly was more upset with Polisic's attempt like he i feel like that he was in a better position and he got a good shot and he just put it right at a choa and it's just like that would have broken the game wide open and you saw the u.s make some late substitutions 
like around the 80 mid 80th minute like 85 like you could tell there's time where like all right well let's just like lock this down and get this point and get out of here and uh they were able to do that so that point put them in great position um i mean you go get a point at the azteca you're in a good spot um but around that also in that match day donald do you have something else I was going to say, I know we've talked about this game, but I don't think that was the most important result of this round. Oh, um, no, for sure. I, I think the most important result was that Panama, uh, who Eric swore on the last episode. Yes. W- there was, he said there was no chance that Panama wouldn't win this game against Honduras at home. And somehow they managed to escape, or, or Honduras managed to escape uh, Panama City with a 1-1 draw. But because of that, it really set up the U S and Mexico with their draw against each other to both be in great position to qualify the U S especially given that the next match day, they were set to play Panama at home. Panama had a chance to really put pressure on those two teams. And they, I think that was really the nail in the coffin for them. It wasn't necessarily a game against the United States. This draw at home is the one they're going to look back on and say, man, we should have gotten those three points. Well, I mean, I think it was also coupled with the fact that Costa Rica got that 1-0 win um, against Canada. And, I mean, Mark Anthony Kay went off early in that game with a um, a second yellow, which um, I know there was a lot of uh, consternation about the fact that um, what he got that second yellow for um, seemed a bit soft, but he was lucky to still be on the field after that first tackle. The one he got his initial yellow card was, was a pretty nasty high uh, late tackle. Um, But I mean, Canada, you know, could still down a man for 60 minutes, still controlled that game for the majority of the time. I think they had close to 70% possession um, and really generated a lot of shots there, but were just not able um, to get either to get the goal to draw or even, you know, seal the win. So, I mean, I think the draw against Honduras did Panama in, but I don't think many people thought, I mean, Costa Rica getting a result was not a surprise, um, but I think getting the win and the full three points was was a surprise, uh, at least for me. See, I mean, Costa Rica, it's a tough place to play. Like, they're very good at home. They've got a very good goalkeeper. That result did not shock me. Panama not getting the full three points. I mean, I guess I was wrong in the sense that I said, there's no way Panama is going to not win this game when it's like Panama just doesn't lose at home. And I mean, they got a result, but yeah, like I didn't see, I obviously didn't see any of either of these games since I was at the Azteca for the U S Mexico game. Um, So I can't really comment on like how that game ended. I mean, Panama was up one Oh and, Honduras got that second half goal and they had 25 minutes plus stoppage to try to get that winner and they couldn't do it. And that was the nail in the coffin for Panama. Um, I, I just, I can't be too shocked at Costa Rica getting that result over Canada when Canada went in there knowing that's like, listen, we're going to lock this up. The party's going to be back in Toronto. Um, they didn't need that game. Costa Rica needed that game and you saw that desperation in Costa Rica this whole window and the whole last window um so I mean good on them for getting the result but I can't blame Canada for that and also you know for El Salvador El Salvador had that outside chance at getting fourth place and that was null and void 
uh, very quickly after a one, one draw at Jamaica, which again was a tall task for them to get all nine points. Something that I believe only, uh, only Costa Rica had done uh, from a team in the, in the hex or in the octagon, uh, but to get all nine points and hope that can't, or that Costa Rica lost all of their games and Panama lost all of their games. That was just a tall task for them, but eventually th- that we didn't have to wait long for their dream to end uh, at that one, one draw. Yeah. So concluding match day 12, we El Salvador was out. Panama was backs against the wall. They needed to go to the U S and get a win to really truly stay alive. And match day 13 kind of solidified the race a little bit. Uh, Jonathan, why don't you walk us through the scores on March 27th for match day 13? Yeah. So for match day 13, uh, Canada with a 4-0 win over Jamaica. El Salvador um, falling uh, with a 1-2 to to Costa Rica. Um, the U.S. with a resounding 5-1 win over Panama. And then um, Mexico with a uh, 1-0 win on the road uh, to Honduras. Uh, Donald, you and I were both in Orlando for this U.S.-Panama game. We'll start with this really kill i mean that eliminates panama from world cup qualification uh what do you take away from that game other than the fact that christian polisic now is pretty comfortable taking penalties it was electric like the whole scene was electric everyone knew and and the thing about that game is everyone in that stadium knew the results of the costa rica game before kickoff uh so they knew that there wasn't a chance to outright qualify on that day but everyone knew that if we put up a big enough number on the board that the party could begin start to begin with, with, with caution, with, with, you know, cost or what's the word with caution is what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh-huh. And I think that is, you could tell that was on the, on the mind of the team team was like, Hey, let's go out and take care of business. Let's take care of it immediately. And they were pushing for goals. And, and the, and the great thing about that is, Panama also had to push for goals because every time that they went down, they had to press forward to try and make, make those goals back up to try and catch up because they needed that win desperately. And that opened up a lot of holes for, for the U S to kind of capitalize on, but all it was an electric night. Uh, I know, I mean, we both were there. It felt like a celebration, even though both of us were kind of muted in our celebration. Um, Other people felt that it was, you know, a good enough score that they can celebrate as if, they had qualified for the world cup because when, when people started singing, we are going to Qatar at that point, it was official whether it was for yeah. fourth place or for the world cup, our name was going to be in that world cup draw at some point on Friday. It was just a matter of, of whether it was in the field or in the playoff. Yeah. And I mean, everyone ended up seeing after the game, but as soon as so they started dropping that banner, that said qualified that some U S soccer official hand, they handed out the wrong they forgot. Banner. Yeah, they forgot to, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, you saw that, it's like, oh my God, we're going to fuck this up. We're going to fuck this up. Because as I was famously quoted after the game, CONCACAF is a vibes-based economy. Um, Wait, can we talk about that for a second? Can we sure. talk about that for a second? Can we talk about the fact that I heard, I just read the quote on Twitter. It, it was not attributed to a single soul, and I knew it was you. Like, without hesitation, I was like, yo, that's Eric. Like, that's not, like, yeah. you, like you, you withheld his name, but we know who it is. Yeah, no, I saw that in a different soccer group, not not a group chat. 
not not the one some of the ones that you and the three of us are a part of and i was like oh i know exactly who said that that, yeah that, that is that was there was no question in my mind that that was eric smith's um yeah. and unfortunately i was not able to attend but you know was patiently waiting out watching a lot of these games uh in the lead up to kickoff of that that night um the big one being that el salvador costa rica game because um you know costa rica goes up you know, first they score the first goal and then within a minute el salvador comes back and picks up a draw and so i think going into that um was really looking forward to the fact that the potential for qualifying that night uh, unfortunately joe campbell scored right at you know the stoppage time for um for the first half but i mean el salvador had several instances and um several times where i thought they could have been awarded a penalty but unfortunately uh, you know that just didn't work out for them but um while costa rica picked up that draw on the road it was uh it was a nail biter of a draw or a win yeah. i should say yeah um no, I mean, Costa Rica went to El Salvador. Like, going to the Cusco line and getting a win is not easy, but they they got what they needed out of that um, against an El Salvador team that was done, you know? Um, but we are kind of burying the lead a little bit um, cause, because Canada, for the first time since 1986, they clinched a spot in the World Cup with their 4-0 win over Jamaica, BMO Field. Uh, Kyle Laren, who opened the scoring, had the game winner. Uh, he actually ended up leading CONCACAF and goal scoring in the qualification tournament, uh, scoring his 13th goal of qualifying uh, 13 minutes in. And I think that goes is, – is, that's not for the for the octagon. I think that's for all of yeah, for qualifying, correct? For, yeah, for qualification. It, you, get a, you, get, you get a lot more chances to score um, when the team has to go through the early rounds of qualifying. So – they were fortunate um, enough to go through the early rounds of qualifying. I would have loved some of those road trips. Mm-hmm. While I would have loved some of the road trips, I would not have liked the extra jeopardy involved um, with a lot of that. If mm-hmm. j- just just from a personal basis, after the scarring of of the previous cycle, um, yeah. I mean, it worked out okay for Canada. I mean, as we'll get to it, they they had a pretty good round of qualifying. Um, so yeah, Canada getting the big win. Congrats to all you Canucks. I hope the Molsons were flowing up in uh, Ontario after that match. Um, I mean, and they, I mean, we'll, and we'll talk about it a little bit more when we get to the world cup draw, but like, I mean, they got some big shoes to fill. I mean, there was a lot of trash talk from the, from the Canadians and throughout a lot of this world cup qualifying and, um, now they're going to have to go up there and, and back that up on the world stage. Yeah. But going back to that U.S.-Panama game, I do think there is some sort of karma as to how that played out because, as we know, the first U.S. goal was scored on a penalty, which was awarded via VAR. Anibal Godoy chokeslammed his boy from Nashville SC, it's Walker teammate. Zimmerman. His his club teammate, he choke slammed him on a corner, did not get called. In past years, and as long as we've known CONCACAF, that never gets called. That gets missed, and we move on. And it's like, oh, that should have been penalty. But now we have VAR. And Panama, the team who had qualified for the last World Cup, due to not having VAR and refs just 
awarding goals that never go in the net and missed calls and things of that nature. Now, all of a sudden, they're penalized for something the ref missed and the U.S. converts and there is justice in this world. And the U.S. was cruising from there. Two more goals in the next 10 minutes. Another penalty by the end of half, that which was called right away. Another blatant foul by Anibal Godoy. And yeah, the the game was effectively over there. I was definitely thinking I about say- I was definitely thinking about the uh, the VAR penalty, uh, the very first one, and definitely thinking about the phantom goal from uh, the 2017 cycle that literally knocked the, knocked the U.S. out of the World Cup. That was definitely on my mind on the capital stand as he as he went to VAR, and I was like, I'm so glad that VAR is around this time uh, because it was definitely needed last time, and they they have learned from their mistakes. Yeah, yeah. just waiting first- for that ball to go out of bounds. For a, split, for a split at. second, I mean, I had forgotten VR, but Walker Zimmerman did not forget there was VR because the second that ball went out of bounds, he went and grabbed it and held on to it because he knew mm-hmm. he knew exactly what was about to happen. He, he yeah. saw that he saw the referee do the you know do the put yeah. his ear put his hand to his ear and put his hands out like hey, no no I'm listening. And yeah. as soon as he as soon as they did that, at, like everyone that stands like, well, it's VAR time. Like, there's no way we know what they're looking at. And there's no way that they're gonna say check checks clear and 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 we're good yeah yeah i mean as great met great minds have said concaf is a vibes-based economy and the vibes even out over time i do want to point out that i said that um now after the game we had gone back to the brewery where american outlaws had had their pregame tailgate and we shut the place down um touch tunes was rocking uh, I was spinning the beats. It was TRL era boy bands. You know, we were we were rocking out. Um, no musical terrorism from you that night. Oh no, no, it was it was vibes. Vibes. We were, based we were vibing. Every, everything was great. But that quote, that actually, I have to give credit to my friend Russ, who was with me at the game in Azteca. He made the trip to Mexico City. It was actually words out of his mouth. Um, so I am taking full credit for it from stealing it from him. Uh, but I do want to give a shout out to my boy Russ um, from back home. Good, a good artist borrow, great artist steal. Exactly, and I apparently have a great artist. So we're looking to uh, capitalize on all of the buzz from the vibes. So be on the lookout, folks. So match day thirteen wraps up, and into the last match day, the last round on March thirtieth. There's really not too much up for grabs. The U.S., uh, because of goal difference, was effectively had to lose by less than six to Costa Rica, in Costa Rica, a place they had never won. But as long as they didn't get their ass kicked, they were going to auto-qualify. Mexico, same thing. They just needed goal. The goal difference was the only concern. If they won, everything was fine. Canada had booked their ticket. They were already drunk off Crown Royale. They were, you know, pounding their pizza pizzas and Tim Hortons and things of that nature, celebrating, um, just, you know, just hanging out. Just watching Wednesday night hockey after the game if they want to. Uh, but really Costa Rica, San Jose was like the epicenter for what was left up for grabs. So Jonathan, why don't you walk us through March 30th, match day 14, the conclusion of CONCACAF World Cup qualifying. So the conclusion of CONCACAF World Cup qualifying, Panama with a 
uh, 1-0 win over Canada. Jamaica with a 2-1 win over Honduras. Mexico with a 2-0 win against El Salvador. And finally, Costa Rica with a 2-0 win over the United States. Donald, how do you feel? 2-0 result in San Jose. Like, what's going through your mind when that final whistle goes? So I was in, I was not at the game. Eric, you were at the game. I was in Doha at this point. Um, I would just like to point out uh, to CONCACAF that they have several media partners. And one of those media partners is, you know, for World Cup qualifiers and for Gold Cups and stuff like that. In the Middle East, in Qatar, they actually have a media partner. It's BN Sports in Qatar, right? Not, not the one that we have that's BN Sports America, but the main, one of the main parent organizations for, for BN. They have 20 channels, 20 BN channels in Qatar. Wait, two zero. Like two zero. Like two zero. Ten, like 10 and then 10 more. That is correct. They have 20 BN channels. And not a single solitary one of them were showing any of these games. So, CONCACAF, I need you to call your people in, in Doha and ask them what happened for this final match day because they, the funny thing is, is they're showing games from all over the world, all over the world, all the time. Uh, but when the most important region was having its most important games, they were not to be found on television. So I had to, I had to go to the internets to find this game. Um, and really when it comes to that, it, it was, we knew they needed to lose, like the Costa Rica had to win by six for this doomsday scenario for the United States to occur. Scoring the first goal. Okay. It happens. It's Costa Rica. The U S has never won there going down two on I think there were two goals that probably shouldn't have happened. Two lapses uh, from the from on the part of the U.S. I think people started freaking out, but I think at the end of the day, once we got to like the 75th minute, they were like, "Okay, at this point, it's just like in basketball. If you're up 30 with three minutes left, just hold the ball. If you hold the ball, even if you don't score, they can't either." And that's time, like time is of the essence. Time is on your side now. So once we got to that point, we saw the team just kind of bring possession back, kind of hold it and make sure that Costa Rica didn't have any opportunities to go forward. And because of that, I was starting, you know, I was starting the party in my room at 6 a.m. Um, around, which was around the 85th minute. That's when I kind of felt, okay, this is about to happen. We're about to qualify for the World Cup. Yeah. Now, before I, because I was there, Jonathan, you were at the bar for this, correct? Yes, I was. What was the vibe like there amongst like U.S. fans? I mean, it was uh, there was there was a decent amount of nervousness. I mean, I think there was still. I mean, to preface, there was also a pretty big thunderstorm rolling through Nashville, um, at the midst of all of this. And uh, did you guys lose? We video? did. We did lose video <laughs> at, at at one point too. So I mean, there was there was which is what just kind of compounded everything. But um, the cel- there was a lot more celebratory nature of the, of the game after the, you know, match day 13 that um, while there was still some, some uh, residual nervousness, uh, you know, everybody was, was ready to celebrate. Yeah. So now I was there, I was at Estadio Nacional, which as Donald, you've been there, correct? Never been to the stadium. Oh. Oh, you never been to the stadium. I've been to Costa okay. Rica for uh for CONCACAF Champions League, but not for a US okay. Costa Rica game. Okay. So you haven't been to that stadium. 
it is it's a very unique vibe there i mean the stadium was built it's about a decade old it's looks very nice there is not a lot to it like there are no like it it looks from a distance like it's like an up-to-date like big stadium it does not feel like that way inside the bat everything is really bare bones there aren't a lot of concession stands the bathrooms like there are no urinals it's just troughs and stalls it's uh it's definitely a weird vibe but it looks very majestic i will tell you that um it does on tv too like it, it yeah. looked packed it looked like the atmosphere was incredible oh, atmosphere was incredible costa rica fans were very hospitable for the most part they were very nice um up until the end when they seemed very happy about beating us in a game that we didn't need to win um but as far as the game goes like it was very cagey like costa rica was rolling out their b squad they had all they had nine players on yellow cards they were trying to protect protect from accumulation before the playoff that they would most likely be facing um and when that whistle blew for halftime and it was zero zero, it's like, all right, we're cruising here. And Greg Berhalter did make changes at halftime. He did sub out Tyler Adams, uh, who looked like he was nursing a little bit of an injury. But I think I can almost write off the second half and the two goals because of that. Like taking your best, your top number six out, the Team looked a lot shakier defensively. Um, other subs were being made, but the U.S. wasn't pressing like they needed to win this game because they did not need to do it. Uh, so Costa Rica was able to take advantage of their chances. Kaylor Navas played out of his mind. Great saves. Like anyone else in CONCACAF is in goal. The U.S. is coming home with a couple goals. That might be a 2-2 draw. But Kaylor Navas is the best player in CONCACAF for a reason. He's a legend for a reason. And he unfortunately had to leave the game with an injury. Um, But like that kind of performance is why Costa Rica has been such a formidable opponent for the last decade plus. And that's why it's been, you know, they, they kind of picked up where Saprisa left off as being a, you know, a fortress of a place to play for Mm -hmm. anyone. I mean, they, they don't lose many times it at home and against the United States since 1986, 1986, we got a draw. Or I'm sorry, 1985, we got a draw. And ever since then, it's been L, 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 all else. And I, I think that is something that they probably can hold their heads high and say, hey, we, we were able to take care of business at home. But when you look back at all of World Cup qualifying for those top four teams, if you take the records of all of them, all of those four teams, only one home game was lost between those four teams. That is why I, it's really just the results at the other spots that were the differences for some of these teams between being in the World Cup, being in the playoff, and being left at home. Yeah. No, I mean, the, the margins were very small. And when you expand it to eight teams fighting for three spots instead of six teams fighting for three spots, uh, yeah, I mean, finishing above 500 is not enough to clinch a spot. And yeah, for the U.S., it was it was the best opportunity they've had to get a win in Costa Rica, which they've never done, and they didn't do it. 
So kind of a lost opportunity there, but no one gives a fuck because the U.S. <laughs> qualified for the 2022 World Cup. And as that game, like as we got to stoppage time, like it was interesting being in the crowd because everyone was kind of sad because like, our right, we're losing. Like we came all over this way to see the team and they had the B squad out and we started our A squad and why are we not winning this game? It's like, it doesn't matter. The goal is to qualify. Like the qualification, you got to look at it like it's a 1260 minute game. You know, it's like, it's not this 90 minutes, it's all 14 games. And in those 14 games, they won. So when that final whistle went, it's like, it doesn't matter what scores. We're in the World Cup. So for me, it was, it was a relief. It was like a weight off your shoulders. Uh, it was a celebration. Not everyone was celebrating quite as hard until we got to the hotel bar across the street. Uh, once the drinks started to flow and think the mood perked up a little bit. Um, but yeah, this long, long journey is over and I guess Mexico qualified too. So, you know, good for them. Yeah. I, there was the one, there was the one, uh, scenario where the U S could lose very handedly. But based on a Mexico, there there was a result where Mexico could could have found themselves in the uh, in that final that final like that half spot, and you best believe that I was rooting hard for that um, because I just that would have been uh, been wonderful to see. Yeah, always root for chaos. Um, but yeah, except for your team, chaos yeah. is great for everyone Ch- else. Chaos for everyone else, calm, cool victory for me. Um. So yeah, that match day wraps up qualifying. Shout out Jamaica for getting their first home win of uh, the Octagon, uh, beating Honduras two one. That's good for them in Independence Park in Panama. I say they don't lose at home. Like Canada didn't need that game. Panama got the three points, even if it didn't matter. Panama still gets results at home. So going into the next cycle, Ramo Fernandez it's still a fortress. So we conclude qualifying with uh, the standings looking like this. Canada on top at 28 points, eight wins, four draws, two losses with a plus 16 goal difference. Mexico actually tying with 28 points, same record, eight wins, four draws, two losses, the plus nine goal difference. Uh, The United States of America sitting at 25 points, seven wins, four draws, three losses plus 11 goal difference. Costa Rica tied in points, but in fourth place going to the inter-confederation playoffs, uh, seven wins, four draws, three losses, plus five goal difference. Panama missing the cut with 21 points and a minus two goal difference. Jamaica in sixth with 11 points and a minus 10 goal difference. El Salvador in seventh with 10 points and a minus 10 goal difference. And Honduras in eighth. Zero wins, four draws, 10 losses, four points, minus 19 goal difference. Uh, a rough, rough go uh, for Los Castrachos in the octagon. So we're heading to the World Cup. And first things first, you got to find out where you're seated. Uh, so the draw for the World Cup was held on Friday, April 1st. Donald, um, you were there. I was there about it. Tell us about it before we even get to what happened. Tell us about being in Qatar. 
Look, well, I'm just going to talk about the draw. I, I think I'll save some of the, the extra stuff for one more round if we can get to it. But um, the draw Patreon was exclusive one more round. Yeah. So the draw was incredible. Um, I don't quite know how we were there, um, but we were there for it. We got to walk the red carpet. We, you know, we were smoozing with it's funny. One of the first people I ran into was uh, Will Wilson, who is the CEO of U.S. Soccer. Uh, and Josh Cocone, who heads ticketing. So first of all, thank you, Josh, for all you did for us for tickets. Uh, he had to handle uh, hundreds of thousands of tickets to these uh, matches that we had throughout qualifying. So glad to see that he made the draw. And then steps away from them, what do you know is Greg Berhalter just standing there, um, at, like right at the entrance. So I was able to say hi, Frank. Say hi to him, got a picture. We talked for a little while. Um, and then we went into let's, let's the- pray. He into- was able to get a picture with you. Not, yeah. not you didn't get a picture with it was you know Greg's to, first chance to get a picture with the host one of the hosts of World of Concacaf. This is true. This is true. And to be fair, uh, one of the guys said, "Why don't you get a picture with Donald?" And he goes, "Sure." And I go, "Okay, well you could use my camera um, since my camera was already out." But um, yeah, so we got the picture. We go into the hall, and the hall is just ginormous. There's you know thousands of people there, and dignitaries from all over the world. Um, former players, legends, coaches, like current players, like uh, staff, federation presidents, country presidents, like all these people were in this one room uh, and Idris Elba, um, who I did not get to have get to meet, but that would have been cool. Um, but uh, yeah, so we go to the draw. We're sitting towards the back, but I look around. Let me tell you this story. I look around and I'm just looking at like some of the people who are around me and I look just like a little bit, a couple rows up to, to my left. And I see a guy, I go, man, that guy looks like Samuel Eto'o, but it can't be him because he's the, a legend and he's the, you know, president of, of the Cameroon Soccer Federation. He's got to be further up, right? Like by where all the coaches and stuff are. Nope. It was Samuel Eto'o. He was just sitting in the back chilling. Uh, he took, he took his mask off and I was like, that really is him. And that's when I realized, um, holy shit, I'm in a room full of people for the world cup. There is Samuel Eto'o right over there. And then there's me. One of these people do not belong in this thing. And it's certainly not Samuel Eto'o. What am I doing here? Um, that was my big, holy crap. I'm at the world cup moment, but we go to the draw and it was, I mean, you guys saw the draw. I, the funny thing is, is uh, I'm responding to people texting uh, about the draw. And I realized that I was about three full minutes ahead of everyone um, because the feed was just would take that long to get to American TVs. So I like people like, Oh, you know, they just picked group a and I go, Oh, like guys, I'm just going to shut up because we're already on group E. Um, so I'm not going to tell you what's happened in the last three minutes, but you guys are way behind. So it was, I had to wait to react to the U S name being called because again, I knew people hadn't got to it yet. So I waited for everyone else to react. And then I reacted to it in our various you know text chains that we have. But I, I think the the point was this, like, to see, hear the name being called was just absolutely incredible given, you know, what we've been through as a country, just as a fan base throughout the last four years, you know, being in Kuva, you know, in 2017 to being at the world cup draw and hearing that name being called that like really, uh, I, I was really moved by that moment. So it was great to hear that. And then, you know, we could get into the draw right now, but I, I think the draw in itself is just a spectacle. I got to meet a bunch of players, um, after the, afterwards, a couple of coaches, I got to see Gareth Southgate and, uh, and Greg mix it up a little bit. And I tried to get in to get a picture of both of them beforehand. 
Um, but I wasn't able to. So, uh, but yeah, it just a bunch of players, former players, legends, um, all over the place. I, I have some of my pictures on Instagram. If you want to go check those out. Um, but yeah, it was just an absolute whirlwind of a night and it, the spectacles there. I'm really looking forward to it being here in the United States, um, in a few years. And I want fans, I want, I want to push the federations of both of, of all three federations, Canada, United States, and Mexico to make fans a part of that spectacle because it is something to behold. And I'm really, really lucky and fortunate that I was able to partake. I mean, fans, yes. Make us a part of that spectacle, you know. You know, media is invited and and we can go in whenever capacity we need to. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm just saying the Confederation could, you know, pick the podcast that has been there since the beginning. Since Since the beginning. Since yeah. the beginning, Since we're uh, day one, day one, day, day one, one members. Okay. Um, so you were at the draw. Let's talk about the draw. Let's just talk, focus on the groups that have our CONCACAF teams. Uh, Donald, where are, where's CONCACAF sitting for all of these groups? Well, we have four groups that we can talk about because again, uh, since the playoffs have not occurred yet, they will occur in June they were slotted into pot four. So they're the, the, we know where Costa Rica, for example, will head if, if they were to make it through the playoffs. So I'm going to start with group B because group, we're just going to go in alphabetical order. Group B is where the United States was drawn into out of pot two. Uh, they are going up against England, Iran, and then the Euro playoff winner, which will be between either Wales, Scotland, or Ukraine. That, again, will take place in June, although Ukraine is trying to push it back even further due to the, the events that are happening uh, with their war in their country. Yeah. Jonathan, what was your reaction to seeing the U.S. drawn to with England? Um, inject it into my veins. <laughs> um, I say this as someone um, who follows an, an, an English Premier League team. Um, an English Premier League team that, by and large, the fan base hates the national team. Um, for those that don't know, like you know, Liverpool fans have no affinity for for the English national team. But um, growing up, I you know was around a lot of people who you know refused to cheer for the U.S. national team because um, they quote unquote weren't good enough, um, even though they claimed that a great great grandfather was from England but probably couldn't find it on the map. Um, I take a great pride in, 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 you know, seeing England struggle. Uh, and I will take an even greater pride in the fact that the U S gets to be that team um, who hopefully beats England. I mean, important to note, England has never beat the United States in a competitive match ever. 1950 world cup U S win the U S cup in the nineties U S win 2010 world cup. England was able to escape with a draw. England is, just can't beat the U.S. <laughs> they, it is also they, important to note that the U.S. has won more international trophies last year than England has in their existence. Yeah. England, mm. how many CONCACAF Nations Leagues you got? You got mm. none. You got nothing. Um. Yeah, so I'm really interested to find out what uh, the Euro qualifier will end up being. I'm kind of pulling, like, Ukraine will be, like, the Cinderella story for everybody. 
I, as an American fan, I don't want any part of that. They're going to <laughs> neither, yeah, like, neither do I, neither do I like, we're talking about vibes. I don't want to even be in the position where we have to worry about like, Oh, we got to be the assholes and beat Ukraine. I don't want any of that. So give me Scotland, you know, Scotland, I can deal with Wales. I'm not too worried about, um, honestly getting drawn with Iran that made me the most uncomfortable just by the sense of there's the history there. There's the politics there. And Iran is good. Like they're one of the better, more competitive pot three teams and they're going to be a tough out and that'll be the third game for the U S um, yeah, I I'm very confident the U S can get through, but um, I knew we'll we were going to pick, I knew we were going to get England. I was, you know, there was, uh, I was on a group uh, with a bunch of fans from around the world. And ironically, the only group that had fans, all of all the teams, all potential teams represented was group B. We had a couple of English. It was me. There was a person from Iran and there was a guy from Scotland. So we, you know, we had a nice picture afterwards. We're all talking, but we had all predicted that this was going to happen beforehand because we knew that, uh, playing England on Thanksgiving or Black Friday, which it'll eventually be Black Friday. Um, we knew that that was something that just, it felt like the ping pong balls will be heated up or frozen, whatever, in a way that that would happen. And then Iran, like you said, the history of that 1998 and just the geopolitical history. Um, I think that'll be, will make for storylines here in the United States. I don't think it'll be as big of a storyline around the world, but it definitely will play here in the United States. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that's group B. Yep. I want to continue with, with group C uh, because our, our neighbors to the South Mexico are in group C. They have a pretty difficult draw. They draw Argentina, Saudi Arabia, and Poland. They open up against Poland uh, and then they will have other match days against Argentina and Saudi Arabia. So uh, I think Mexico, they may feel good about this draw, but you know, Argentina, very, very good. Poland, very strong. And Saudi Arabia is one of those sneaky teams that have been playing very well in Asia. Yeah, I, I was I was just going to say, like, the Poland one, that 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 draw really depends on, it, it's going to go with how Robert Lewandowski plays. I mean, I think mm-hmm. that Mexico is is a, a much like the U.S. Um, you know, actually, I would say Mexico gets a little more respect on on the global stage. Um, but they're still going to, I feel like a lot of these European teams are going to look past them um, and going to be in for a shock when they play, play against them. Yeah. I mean, Mexico, it's just a tough draw for like where they ended up getting seated in that third spot. So they've got Poland first and then Argentina. If, I mean, they could be that last game against uh, Saudi Arabia might not mean anything to them. Um, it's kind of a tough draw. Uh, what's next, Donald? So we'll go down to group E, E is an echo, um, where Costa Rica, again, Costa Rica is in the inter-confederation playoff against New Zealand. That will take place in June in Qatar. If they win that, they will go into group E. In group E, joining them would be Spain, Germany, and Japan. So Costa Rica, I'm very, very sorry, because that is a very, very, very tough draw. If there is a group of death, in this world cup, it is group E because those you have two, obviously two very strong teams who have won world cups before in Spain and Germany and Japan, who has made multiple quarterfinals and semifinals and has just been a very, very strong team at several world cups. Yeah. I mean, 
Keeler Navas, good luck, you know. Um, and he's done it before they, too. He's he yeah. they've written. I mean, Costa Rica has written a, Kale, a hot Kaylor Navas to a quarterfinal. Um, so this group is really going to be interesting. Yeah, Jonathan, you got anything on this group? I mean, is it's it's a tough one. I mean, there's there's no uh, in a vibes based economy. Um, <laughs> the the vibes are going to be hard to come by here. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, so well, the final one. Good luck to the uh, Ticos the, there. Yeah, so the final group that we have is Group F. Um, it actually syncs up very well, B, C, E, F. Uh, but F is where we see Canada, uh, and Canada will be joined by Belgium, who is one of the top teams in the world, Morocco, and Croatia. Croatia, again, was in the 2018 World Cup final. They lost to France, uh, but most of that team, while they're four years older, are still going strong, and they uh, breeze through qualifying in Europe. So, again... Canada, uh, Jonathan alluded to it earlier. They've been talking a lot about how they're back and how they are on the scene. They are going to have to prove it in a big way in a very difficult group for them. Yeah, I mean, Canada, you think you finishing top of qualifying means you're the best that we have to offer? Well, congrats. Go beat Belgium then. You know, you open up against one of the best teams on the, on the planet. I mean, not it's, and not. It, and not- I was going to say, but, it's like the group, It they sh- could get out of it. Like Croatia is not what they were four years ago. Um, Morocco is a team that they can beat. and Canada can be competitive. But, I mean, it's a, they're going to have to be hitting the ground running for sure. And, and I think the other thing to note is the fact that that lost the final window qualifying to Panama. Had they won that, there was an opportunity for them to sneak into pot three. Um, which could have made this a bit easier on them, um, but they unfortunately were just not able to get that done um, on the road to Panama. For sure. All right. Any other thoughts on the draw? No, No, I'm really looking forward to this World Cup. It's going to be a very, very interesting. I think there's a lot of good games that we can see um, in Qatar Um, and, and you know, starting from the first day, I think it's going to be a very interesting one, how it plays out. Depending on who makes it out of these group stages, you'll have a lot of strong second round and quarterfinal matchups. So uh, I, I think that's the idea here that everyone was drawn into a group that's pretty strong, but there's no easy group and there's no group that is supremely difficult. Um, everyone is going to have their work cut out for them. Yeah. And we will have a lot of coverage of the World Cup at, leading up to November. Uh, also, shout out to the schedule makers for giving the U.S. Uh, those late start times for the group stage. Bless you. We appreciate that. Um, it's going to be a spectacle for sure. Um, so that wraps us up. We're going to have more content for you coming soon. Uh, make sure you're following us on social media. We're at podcacaf, P-O-D-C-A-C-A-F, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, support us via Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash podcacaf. Uh, you can go there, subscribe, and listen to our One More Round podcast that's exclusive that we'll be recording after this and uh, talking more about everything that's going on in CONCACAF. Uh, so thanks for tuning in. Tell your friends and vibes up.